Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the Ag Market Network monthly cotton market teleconference. I'm Pat McClatchy. I'm the moderator of our program. Uh, the pr program is sponsored by BASF. As you know, they are the owners of FiberMax and Stoneville Cottonseed, and we appreciate all that they do to make this program possible for you. Uh, our lead speaker today is Dr. John Robinson. He'll join our panel our, of cotton market experts. Uh, Dr. O.A. Cleveland uh, is part of that group, and Kip Butts and Gerald Nieper. So, John, thanks for leading off today and giving us your thoughts on the, on the cotton market. Well, thank you, Pat. Good afternoon, everybody. So we still have we have two marketing years and several balance sheets to update, so I'm going to begin with the old crop world numbers. Um, there's only a month left in the marketing year. I wasn't really expecting to see many changes, and, you know, what we got was a number of modest adjustments across a handful of countries, so just let me summarize them here. The beginning stocks were unchanged, best I could tell. Uh, world production was uh, 720,000 fewer bales. That was mostly in Brazil with small adjustments in West Africa, Central Asia. Um, what I was most curious to see was the was the demand side near term. So the major importers, major importing countries, and India saw collectively saw 1.3 million bales of cuts in imports month over month. And the major exporters were similarly cut about one and a quarter million bales. That was that was mostly in West Africa, Australia, and India. Um, domestic consumption on the old crop balance sheet was lowered 1.9 million bales. That was dominated by China with a million bale cut. And then also other important places, Vietnam was 400,000 down, Bangladesh was 300,000 down. Central Asia was cut too. Pakistan was cut too. The bottom line of all that was basically the cuts on the consumption side dominated the smaller cut in world production, and it left the 21-22 world-ending stocks a million bales fewer than before. Okay. Uh, I'd say most of the attention uh, on this WASDI report was on the new crop numbers, on the new crop U.S. numbers, with the with the question, how much were they going to tinker with production, how much were they going to raise abandonment and such. Now, for a normal July WASDI, what would happen is they simply take the assumptions they made about yield and, and abandonment back in May and June, and then they just apply the June 30 acreage to that and, and leave it at that. That's That's the normal thing. Uh, the, the last time I can remember that they ever tinkered with their their yield and abandonment assumptions prior to August, I believe, was in 2011, and that was based on just how you know how severe things were sounding, reports from the field and such. Well, they did they did it again this time. They uh, they they raised their yield national average cotton yield slightly, but they raised abandonment from 25 percent to 31 and a half if I figured that correctly uh, and so if you sort of ascribe to the theory of bureaucratic incrementalism which is that you know they'll kind of go out on a limb and make these sorts of adjustments well then that kind of tells me that you know there may be more room for for higher abandonment the the record uh, is 36 percent which again was set in 2011 so Maybe we're kind of inching our way in that direction, or at least until USDA has some hard data from field sampling and ginning and such, which they won't have till probably September at the earliest. 
Um, anyhow, the adjustments to the to the U.S. balance sheet cut a million bales off of the production. They didn't change domestic consumption. They cut exports a half a million bales attributed to having less production and uh, less trade. And so the bottom line of all that was a half million bale cut to U.S. ending stocks, which takes us down to 2.4. I would say the level of the adjustment and the resulting level of ending stocks are both bullish, although they were probably both expected to. But anyway, that leaves us there. And lastly, the world crop adjustments, the new crop world, weren't they weren't very dramatic, at least on the supply side, but there were some some things that perhaps are indicating um, fears about slowing economies or lower demand. So let me just get to that. So the beginning stocks in the world were a million bales fewer. That carries over from the, the first discussion I had about the old crop balance sheet. World production was 1.2 million bales fewer. That was dominated by the U.S. cut, and the other cut was in Brazil on the order of 200,000 bales. Uh, world imports were cut over a million bales. That was mostly in China with a half a million, reinforced by 300,000 bales cuts in Bangladesh and in Vietnam. Those three countries also accounted for cuts in domestic consumption that added up to, well, plus 500,000 in Indian domestic consumption. All that added up to over, I think it was 1.3 million. Um, the half million bale cut in U.S. exports was matched by a similar one in Brazil, and so the net effect was uh, a million bale cut in world exports. So the bottom line of all that was uh, was an increase in new crop world ending stocks, an increase uh, one and a half million bales, which you know is kind of neutral to modestly bearish by the numbers. Like I say, to the extent that it makes people think more about. Um, slowing demand and whatnot, it ha- may have more of an effect that way. So anyhow, the pricing implications of, of these adjustments, really I'm kind of left, when I think about the U.S. situation and and the U.S. balance sheet, I'm, I'm left with two competing questions. One is, is this plunge in ICE futures back to the 90s, is that a, a reversion to normal, that is to say, that is to say, if you told me five years ago, you know, hey, we're going to have two point two and a half million bales of ending stocks, I would have responded with a projection of ice futures, you know, where they are now, kind of in the nineties. That would have been that would have been normal. Are we are we back to there? Are we back to there for good, or are we still operating in sort of a, you know, post COVID supply chain disrupted, inflationary whatever that recently had us trading at a dollar twenty. And does it does the resumption does the possible resumption of a weather market, weather market dynamics and and production uncertainty mixed with you know some speculative fuel, is that possibility still there to give us ten or fifteen cents of upside potential? That's that's kind of what I'm left wondering. And <clears throat> with those unanswered questions, Pat, I'm going to hand it back to you. Okay. Uh, well, let's open it up. Uh, I, I'm not sure always with us. Uh, but uh, Kip and Gerald, uh, what are your thoughts? I don't have good thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you got any bad? Have you got any bad thoughts? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the whole commodity complex today just took a beating, and, and you know, cotton didn't, didn't escape that at all. I mean, you know, look at the grains. You know, corn was down 42 cents. Beans were down 62 cents. You know, wheat's down 42 cents. Crude's off. You know, I just, I just think we're just, we're just caught up in this, this maelstrom of, of, of selling right now. You know, um, and uh, you know, people are just so worried about the economy. I guess, <clears throat> which I'm, I think that this whole inflation recession discussion has just gotten way out of hand, but, you know, what else you got to talk about if you're talking head on TV anymore, you know? Um, the uh, So, you know, cotton's just getting, you know, definitely a, definitely a risk-off day today. That's for darn sure. Kip? Well, um, I think John made an excellent point about whether we're back to kind of a pre-COVID uh scenario, but we're looking at 2.4 million bales of ending stocks that does not give us a whole lot of room in the U.S. So from that perspective, at least in my mind, it's pretty difficult to get too terribly bearish in the short term. Markets are going to trade. I do not know where the specs are right now. They may be the ones that are that are pushing this thing or just abandoning ship in the short term, but we've got low-ending stocks in the U.S. They're increasing outside the U.S., and we're in a scenario where we may not be in a recession, uh, but I think the Fed's got a really difficult task trying to control inflation. So we're probably going to be in a, a some measure of stagflation or slowing sort of economy or, or not growing as fast as we want and still too strong inflation. That's going to hurt consumer spending for, uh, you know, discretionary items and Typically, apparel, textiles sort of fall in that category. So I think John kind of summed it up when he said, you know, we've got these two questions. I don't think I had the answer to either one of them. So we're going to probably just sit around here and chop around until we can get some answers. You know, I don't don't know if we deserve to, to be at 133 earlier, but... I sure as heck don't think we deserve to be down here at 90 cents either. I mean, it just uh, it, it just seems kind of ridiculous in in my opinion. But you know, that's that's what we're dealing with right now. That's for darn sure. You know, I don't think I don't think anything anything has slowed down in terms of uh, of selling cotton to the marketplace. Uh, you know, I understand that there's a lot of business going on, and you know, some of some of the business that's going on is that. Uh, um, you know, people feel like, hey, listen, I better buy U.S. cotton while I can or it might not be available come the fall. So, you know, there is business going on. It's not like things have just come to a complete halt. Um, it, it, Although it feels awfully quiet out there, I mean, you know, people say that they are doing business. So it's uh, – I, I don't – I just think this is a flow of funds right now, and the flow of funds is get out of commodities. It may well be, but so oftentimes when we see these kind of precipitous drops this quickly and we see business getting done, that's sometimes followed by some cancellations like um, 
we'll buy it here and sell what we bought at one, you know, try to get out of what we bought at 120. I haven't seen that yet. As a matter of fact, I haven't even heard people talk about that as any consequence. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens to a degree, but because there's just, and, and, may, and Gerald, maybe you've heard something, but I have heard very little talk about that, which might mean that. No, uh, <clears throat> And, and I guess in, in terms of what I'm hearing is some of these guys are, you know, they're buying cheaper to, to scale down and to, uh, you know, um, average down their, their costings for their cotton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you, we're going to talk more, but let, let's see if there's anybody out there that can shed some light on, on uh, crop conditions, especially in West Texas, or anyone else that's got an opinion. Uh, we'd like to hear from you, so I'm about to go on, and we're going to unmute the phones. And please, if you if you want to contribute anything, we'd like you to do it. So hold on just a moment. All right. Any thoughts or any comments from anyone out there? Well, this is this is Ed Teal from Lubbock uh, area, and. Uh, it is dry and hot. Forecast is dry and hot, and I believe that you got to know when to fold them and you got to know when to hold them. And I think everybody in our area has come to the realization that we're going to have to try to live to fight another day. And we are getting a lot of it released, even irrigated, dry land. And what has been released so far will probably be released or looked at again or in. August the 20th when they do a bow count, but it is bad. That's all well, I have to say. Ed, as you, as, from what you're hearing as you go to the east and west and south, are, are you pretty representative of, of what most farmers are going through? I think so. I think so. This whole area, the whole South Plains, has not got any rain to speak of where we grow cotton, and I think it's about the same. Especially when the price, the, especially when the insurance price now is more than what you can possibly get now in the, in the maybe the low 90s. I know it can change; it trades every day. But right now, they're saying, "Well, the insurance price is a dollar three plus the seed endorsement." You add that to it, the financial people are saying, "Well, you've got to you've got to look at it that way and try to live to fight another day." How much water do you think most people have that can irrigate? And I know that varies, but uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? In our area, it's just, it's very, very limited. And, and by the time you think, well, I really need to put some more water to it, we're going to try to make a crop, our wells quit. We run out of water. And that scenario is not getting any better. And I know it can change. The weather forecast right now says hot and dry. The Lord could make it change in the drop of a hat. But right now, the best way to go is to try to live to fight another day and, and stop, uh, you know, chasing the crop. Yeah. All right. Any any other comments out there? Uh, yes, sir. This is Dave Fultz in Idaho. 
Jeff. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. What are, you, what are your comments? Well, we got a little bit more just in a little strip here early. Uh, we got around six inches in May. It's from four and a half to six. So we got stuff up and going where we pre-watered a little bit. And uh, I think we're going to, we're probably going to keep a lot of harvest, but it is going to be, uh, I'm my boat guy wrote for the IPM guy, and uh, he said to drop back to where you had four gallons an acre. And I'm going to refuse to do that, because if you ran wells at four gallons an acre for another seven weeks, you're probably talking about $200 an acre just in like Um There's some decent cotton around. Uh, some guys cut the pivots in half and probably tried to get to that four gallons an acre uh, and had a rotation of a rye or something. I'm just telling you there, real, there will be some cotton where people pre-purchase input so they keep it dry or, uh, you know, but if it doesn't rain at all, that's a little more than anybody can blame for. And there's going to be a lot where people have good cotton. They don't have enough mm-hmm. to keep up with this. There's not enough water for that. Yeah. And we're also getting, you know, I'm all Fibermax, and I swear I've gotten dinged with dicamba on every field. Some. You know? Uh and I don't know if you got, because of pricing, you got more guys spraying generic or, or what's going on, but there's a little, or just because of the weather conditions, we've had a little more drift this time. But, yeah. Uh, there's some damage caused. Around. All right. Well, we appreciate that comment. Any Anybody else out there want to make a comment? All right, well, if there are no other comments, let me take this thing and we'll mute it again. All right, any any other comments from our panel before we get into our price forecast? Uh, you know, let's let, let's skip that today. <laughs> All right. Well, then that means we're going to start with John. John, what are your thoughts on how low we can go and how high we can go? And listen, we're not going to hold you to this. Well, I don't see why we would go any lower than we've gone. Um, but you know, we can always be three cents or. Four or five. We can always be five cents lower, so I would say five cents below here, and I I think there's there should be a response in the market to this production uncertainty, um, and you know specs can pile on and reverse and whatever. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say five cents lower and ten cents higher. All right, we're gonna go to Kip, but let me just to. Put some point of reference here. Last week we got as low as 88.10. We closed today at 90.84. Uh, so, Kip, give us your thoughts. 
I wish I'd gone first, and that way I could say uh, John could say what I thought. I, I'm thinking we may be able to get around uh, in the low side. I would think it'd be much lower than the mid, maybe 85 cents, and the better potential would be for prices to go higher. At, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if they could go a little higher than what John said, maybe 10, 15 cents. It's still a very volatile situation. The supply side is what we typically look at this time of the year, which is what makes this big precipitous drop that we've had. And, you know, this seems like continued pressure so unusual. I mean, this crop is getting smaller from all accounts. I, I don't think I've talked to anyone that will suggest that the crop's getting bigger. So, you know, we're just in an unusual time. So I'm thinking maybe mid-85 to 10, maybe 15 cents higher. But be ready for this thing just to stay volatile for a while. All right, Gerald. Um, I like the 88-cent number uh, in terms of the downside and then the upside, uh, you know, 103. So 88 to 103 over the next, you know, month. I guess month and a half till we well I guess until we see the objective yield survey see what happens there. All right. Uh, any as we wrap this up, any any closing thoughts? I got I got a question maybe that either John or Gerald hasn't answered. And maybe you do, Pat. Is are we getting any indication that we're over the hump for the transportation sort of uh, dislocations and problems? Is that I know it's improved some, but can we feel like we're out of the woods on that, or are we still really having dislocations and problems? Because I've talked to some others about this, and I don't feel like I have an answer. Do you all feel like you have a good response to that? You know, only that the weekly export shipments number has been, you know, at par for, or close to it. Uh, but I haven't talked to any freight forwarders or transportation people, so I don't know. Well, you, you know, Kip, uh, you've got commerce data, which is based upon, you know, freight forwarders and and people who – the freight forwarder bill of lading data. That number is a million bales larger, and this is two months ago because that commerce data is two months old. So, you know, that number is a million bales larger than the FAS, than the USDA export sales number. Um, so I don't know why there's such a big discrepancy, why some choose not to report correctly uh, to USDA. Um, you know, maybe they come in later uh, and, and, and fix things up. But, uh, you know, there, there are definitely some, some games being played with the USDA numbers this year. And I think it all has to do with the big inversion and, you know, people trying to get the inversion down. You know, it's just sort of like, uh, um, you know, they, they, they definitely something is going on out there. It, 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 it's, some of these numbers just are not making, making sense at, at all. So, you know, I think we're much closer to the USDA export sales number than, than the sale or export shipment estimate of 14.75 than, than most people believe we are if you're just looking at the F, if, you, if you're just looking at the FAS numbers I, I was very misleading I was I was actually more referring to 
the stuff coming into the U.S. And because we've had so much, I mean, we saw Target said they were going to cut their prices 20-odd percent, maybe more to try to control inventories that were got here at the wrong time. And I'm just curious about, as a consumer, going to be in a situation where he can actually get the products that he's expecting at the right time of the year. And I, I think that's as big a problem as getting it out. It may be a bigger problem getting it in because, again, if we're stuck with stagflation and then we get in a situation where we've got the wrong inventory at the wrong time, that's just that may be part of what we're seeing now is just this short-term demise. I'm hoping that things have corrected themselves where we won't be seeing this as much, and that, that's why I asked the question. All right, I've got a different you question. Know, I'd, I'd like to bounce off the two of y'all related to India. Uh, the the initial prediction of the monsoon rains was that they would be normal to three percent above normal. They arrived on time. But then June's actual rainfall was subpar, like by 8% or something like that. And then I've heard here lately in July that it's been really, really been picking up. It's, it's, and then I hear people's opinions that are all mixed about it's good in India or it's bad in India. Do you all have a view? Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's both good and bad. <laughs> I, I and Gujarat to, is, I is flooding. To, I've, I mean, they have rain. They may have too much, but uh, I just heard that the other day. But uh, but I haven't talked to anybody, so I was curious if you had a feel for if it was bullish, neutral, or bad. Um, I think they were needing some rain in, in the, the, the major cotton areas, and now they're getting it. And uh, I think they're getting a little too much. So it might slow them down a little bit on their planting. But if you look at, you know, Cotton Outlook, as, as they're reporting the planting, you know, progress in India, they seem fairly well caught up to to, to, to last year. And uh, the, 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 the normal historical average for this year. Now, just because it's planted doesn't mean it's, right. it's you know, it's not getting washed out someplace. You know, with too much rain, so it's it's hard to to get a good sense on India this early in the season, with or without rain. Right. Okay. Uh, you know, Thank the thing you. is that the rains are coming, and if you even look at super monsoons, cotton sends, tends to do a little better than you would think. So I I think Gerald's point's a good one. It's a little too early to be too concerned about it. The fact that it is coming on, I think, gives tells us it's a little bit of a normal situation for a place where the monsoon ebbs and flows each year like this and we get concerned on and off at least two or three times almost every year and at the end of the day if they've got enough water like i say even in super monsoons where it's really heavy they tend to do better than we we get we do a bit of hand wringing when it isn't necessary i think okay all right any closing thoughts All right. Well, let's wrap up uh, today's meeting. Before we do that, I want to mention something special for next month in July. We plan to go back to New York. We used to do this each year in, in uh, July. This year it's been postponed to <clears throat> to uh, August, and we'll let everybody know about it. But uh, August, I believe the 19th, is the date we've set uh, to go to the New York Stock Exchange to have our annual cotton market meeting. Uh, so that will probably be pretty interesting. 
but uh, we'll let you know more about that in the future. Uh, we want to thank BASF for being our sponsor. Thanks to the Cotton Panel and specifically to John for leading us. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us for this edition of the Ag Market Network. Thank you. <laughs>